Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Anybody excited about all that? Amen. Make sure you clear your calendars for April 7th through the 10th. It will be uh, life-changing services here. I believe it will be the greatest services in the history of our church. Uh, You need to make sure that you come. You may ask, like, what are those services going to be like? And I'll very simply tell you, we did not do our normal revival in January because we knew we had grand opening week coming up. It will be a revival type of atmosphere, and I can't believe we nailed down some of these these pastors and communicators and bands. Going to be life-changing, so make sure that you clear your calendar for that. Um, with all that being said, I got a message prepared for you. Uh, really struggled kind of bringing it together, and it, it all made sense during the first service for me today. As we were in worship, uh, the Holy Spirit reminded me that everything we have done to this point has been seed in the ground that we are going to reap a harvest on. And what I mean by that, by doing three services for three years and adding, you know, five services on Easter and at the movie, all the stuff we've done, all of that, that was seed in the ground that God says, now is your time to harvest. And so I, I am really excited about that. And I, I want to call this message maximizing the moment maximizing the moment. Let's go to the Word of God. Revelation chapter number 3, starting in verse number 7. It says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, and let me just stop. He's not talking about Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all right? There's another Philadelphia. These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works, See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. I can't help but feel that we have been doing a lot of little things for a long time, and it's all culminated to this moment, this opportunity that God has given us. Two weeks from today, we will step into a brand new space not just so that we can enjoy a new space, but so that we can serve our community and our guests better than ever before. I believe that the harvest that God wants to bring in, as, as it relates to souls, that the biggest harvest of souls we haven't even seen yet. All right? So we're stepping into some new territory, and that's why I want to talk to you about maximizing the moment or understanding the power of this moment. Not only do I want us to understand that as a church, I want you to understand the power of moments in your individual life. I want you to to be able to maximize every opportunity, every door, every window that God opens up for you. Um, Lou Holtz, the famous Notre Dame football coach, he said it like this. He said, ability is what you are capable of doing. Motivation determines what you will do. Attitude determines 
how well you do it. And I love that quote because attitude is everything. Our lifestyle will never rise above our attitude. Your attitude will either lift you up or hold you down. Your attitude will push you forward or hold you back. I believe there are two categories of people in the world. Everybody fits into one of these two categories. There are The first category are the people who only see the world as a place of obstacles. In other words, when they see people, circumstances, and events, they only see obstacles in front of them. They, they only see uh, their lack of talent or their lack of resources. They, they will quickly tell you why something cannot be done. Anybody know anybody like that? Come on, don't elbow your neighbor, all right? You may get in trouble right off the bat. Uh, that's one category, and those, those people eventually hit a place where they just make excuses as to why nothing ever works out for them. But then there's another category of people that they do not see the world as a place of, of obstacles. They see the world as a place of opportunity. They dream of what can be done. They use resources that they have to accomplish their dream. They don't focus on what they don't have. They, they focus on what they do have. These people are the people that have the attitude that says, we're going to get the job done no matter what. They usually refuse to settle for the status quo. The second category of people are, are, are those who not only make themselves better, but they make the people around them better. And with all of that being said, Jesus gives a challenge to a church in Philadelphia, not the same one that we know about today, a different, and he gives them a challenge that uh, they've got a calling on their life, that they have an opportunity in this moment. And he challenges them to maximize the moment. And I believe that God has given us the same challenge today, that we have an opportunity that we need to take advantage of. Now, this city of Philadelphia was a fortress city located on the Imperial Road from Rome to the east. And the area was wealthy. They had industry. They had wineries. They, it was a wealthy area. Uh, little is known about this church, uh, but what we do know is that it was a thriving church under the leadership of a woman named Amia. Now, for all of you all that think that women can't lead, I just broke up your theology because a woman by the name of Amia was leading this incredible church, and she had a prophetic gift, um, much like the one of the, the four daughters of Philip, if you'll remember in Scripture, that had a prophetic gift and a leadership gift on their life, and she's leading this church. And even though they were raided, um, and, you know, and, and, and attacked, this church held firm to their faith. They never wavered in that. And Jesus reveals himself to this church as the one, watch this, the one who is holy, the one who is true. But then he says, I'm also the one who can open a door that no man can shut, and I can shut a door that no man can open. Aren't you thankful today that Jesus has made a way for you to come into the kingdom of God, that he has opened up a way for you and I to be in relationship with him? And, and so he, he, he reveals himself as the one who opens doors and closes doors. And, and this is the concept of open doors. It's all throughout Scripture. We see this concept of open doors. We see it in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Look at this verse with me. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. This is the concept of an open door. We also see it in Acts chapter 14, verse 27. It says, Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Again, the concept of an open door. This was Paul and Barnabas. They were given their report to the church leadership about their first missionary journey, and they're talking about the fact that God opened up a new opportunity or a new door to, to take the gospel further than they had ever taken it. One, one more verse about it. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul said, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul says there's a great door. It's an effective door. But we need to understand that when we walk through this open, effective door, that there will be adversaries on the other side. Now, a lot of people would have us believe that if you pursue the will of God and you go through doors that God opens, that life will be easy. I, I, I hate to, to mess your theology up again, but how many know that when you start doing the will of God, that's normally when the attacks come? The devil don't mess with people who stand on the sideline and do nothing. He messes with people that get in the game and walk through the doors that God opens. And what we, what we know about that is, is that there will be challenges, challenges when we go through doors that God opens. But at the same time, how many of God's going to make sure that we, we, we're able uh, to continue to, to take the mission and the vision and, and what God has called us to do, that we're able to see that thing to completion. Doesn't mean there's not going to be battles, not going to be stuff that we got to go through, but God will open this effective door, this, this open door, and we have to walk through it. Um, Revelation 4 and 1 says this, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here, I will show you things which must take place after this. I want you to touch your neighbor and just tell him God's opened up a door for you. Come on, wrong neighbor, find another one. Say, God's opened up a door for you. God has opened up a door for you. This concept of open doors, it's a door of opportunity. And it's important because the, the, the opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that every opportunity that you have now will not be an opportunity you have in six months. There are windows to opportunity. There are moments that if you don't maximize the moment, you miss the opportunity. Does that make sense? That, that there are, there's a window to it, a season to it, that we have to take hold of the opportunity or we miss it. And I believe that's true for us as a body, but I also believe that is true for you as an individual. And so what I want to do is give you five keys to maximizing the moment. Five keys. This is for us as a body, but also for you as an individual. Key number one, opportunity takes vision. Opportunity takes vision. Jesus began the challenge to the church at Philadelphia by saying this. He said, see, I have opened the door. He wanted them to see what he had already done. 
The indication is that opportunity requires vision. Opportunity requires that we can see what God is saying. That perception is reality. That, That we have not only natural eyes, but we have spiritual eyes to be able to see when an opportunity presents itself. The Chinese symbol for crisis means danger. It is also the symbol for opportunity. Did you know that every crisis is an opportunity for you to release faith? That every crisis, every problem, every situation, most of us, we don't want problems in our life. But what you don't understand about problems, problems are opportunities for you to bring a solution. And, and we miss out on a lot of cool things that God wants to do because we cower back over a problem instead of creating a solution and seeing the potential and the promise within the problem. And, and, and a lot of us, we are limited by our vision. It's amazing how two people can look at the same problem and one person say, well, we got a problem, we're, we're done. But another person can see the same problem and create a solution. They can tap into potential, tap into promise on the other side of the problem. Proverbs 29 and 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So we have to learn to see potential and to see the promise even when we're looking at a problem. Jesus had this amazing ability to look at people and see things that they could not see in themselves. For instance, the 12 men that Jesus picked, you and I wouldn't have picked these brothers. I mean, they cheated people out of money. They, they I mean, cussed and raved and cut people's ears off. They, I mean, this is not like, this, this is not the cream of the crop. Like, we, we wouldn't have picked these 12. But Jesus picked this ragtag gang of fishermen because he was able to see past their issue, their problem, and he was able to see the promise on the inside of them and the potential that that he had with each and every one of them. Sometimes a problem is exactly what you need to create a solution. You know what the problem is right now? We hate problems. Another problem, another problem. Well, God lives on the inside of you, and he's a really good problem solver. That we we have to learn to look at our problems different. Great discoveries are are the ability for a person to see past the problem. I mean, think about some of the greatest discoveries we've had in the world. It's, It's usually the answer to a problem. Penicillin, for instance, the reason... Penicillin was such a great discovery is because we had an infection problem. Think about the automobile. We had a transportation problem, and so they came up with the automobile. So great discoveries are usually found on the other side of problems. Jesus illustrated this in John 4. I won't read it to you, but he's having a conversation with a woman at a well, and she's a Samaritan. He's obviously a Jew, and the disciples could only see the fact that they were, number one, hungry and wanted lunch, and the other thing they could see was the racial tension between Samaritans and Jews, and they couldn't figure out why in the world Jesus would spend time with this Samaritan woman. But Jesus was able to see past his appetite. He was able to see past the racial tension. And he was able to see an opportunity that had just opened up for a woman who had had 
all kinds of relationships that had failed, but he knew that if he could get this woman's life changed, that she would go back to her town and the whole village got saved later because he saw a potential problem as an opportunity. Opportunity takes vision. Secondly, opportunity takes faith. Jesus said he was the one who had opened the door for them and no one could shut it. The reason we can believe that we have the ability to move forward and succeed is because God is with us and that God has opened up a way. He has created space for us. Not that there, we, we won't face stuff. We're going to face all kinds of stuff. But God's saying, keep moving forward. And I, I just want to ask this morning, all the stuff going on in your personal life, do you see the hand of God at work? Do you see God's hand at work? Are you able to believe, Romans 8, that God causes all the good, bad, and ugly to work together for good in your life? See, a lot of times we think life is just coincident. That, that it, this is just chance, this is just luck that it happened. I, I, I think we, we need to, to remove luck and chance and coincidence out of our vocabulary, and we need to start asking, what if this is my moment? What if this is my opportunity? My opportunity. What, what if God has made a way for me to step through an open door? That's the questions that we need to, we need to ask because God opens doors and he closes doors. The reason you're married to the person that you're married to right now is because God allowed your past to cross at the right time. And, and we think about chance and luck and all this stuff, and God's saying, no, I'm ordering your steps. I am opening doors that no man can shut. So opportunity takes vision. It takes faith. Number three, it takes responsibility. Now, this one's tough because it has been said that there is no greater burden than a great opportunity. I'm going to say that one more time. There's no greater burden than a great opportunity. I'm convinced that a lot of people miss out on opportunity because with opportunity comes responsibility. A lot of times, opportunity looks a lot like work. I'm going to let that sink in. God opens up a new opportunity, and a lot of times, that opportunity looks like a lot of work. God opened up an opportunity for us to build a new building. My staff has found out that meant a lot more work. It's a great opportunity, but we're working long hours. It, it, it's a great door. It's an effective door. But we're having to put more into it. This opportunity is requiring a lot of responsibility. And, and I've had to remind our team from time to time, I'll say, hey guys, remember, we get to do this. How many churches would trade places with us right now? Y'all ain't working with me at all. I'm up here by myself today. Listen, it, it's, it's awesome. It's amazing. But, but they've learned even this week, it's, it's, there's a lot more responsibility. I mean, when you got the pastors on staff laying the stage flooring, 
I didn't know we could lay four. But we figured it out. With opportunity comes responsibility. And so sometimes God opens up a door and we miss the door. We miss the opportunity because we don't want the responsibility or the work that goes with the opportunity. So you can take it to business. God, God gives you an incredible business plan. You're going to become a millionaire. But it's going to require a lot of work. There's a lot of responsibility, a lot of weight that comes with it. Ephesians 5 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The calling of God on your life is an opportunity to step into new territory, to, to step into a new season in your life. If you're the type of person that when someone asks you to do something that you're not comfortable with, if your answer every time is, I'm not comfortable, I can't do that, my advice to you would be, you need to figure it out. I'll say it another way that you can really get it. If your boss is constantly asking you to do something that you're not comfortable with, and you always say, I'm not comfortable with it, and I can't do it, how many know you're not getting promoted? Oh, it's real quiet. People who figure it out get the promotion. The people that say, you know what, I'm not real comfortable with that, but I can do all things through Christ, right? He gives me the strength. I have the ability. I may not, I may not know how to lay flooring, but bless God, I'm going to figure that out. Come on, I'll YouTube a video. My God, you can learn how to do anything. You, you can do anything you put your mind to. How many opportunities do we talk ourselves out of? I don't have talent. I don't have resource. I don't have the ability. I don't have enough help. How many things do we talk ourselves out of that God meant to be a great blessing in our life, but because we had I can't in our vocabulary, we missed the opportunity? Opportunity takes vision, faith. It also takes responsibility. Number four and five, I'm going to spend a little more time on these two. Opportunity takes courage. It takes courage. Even though the believers at Philadelphia faced persecution, Jesus said, in the middle of the persecution, I'm still going to open up a door. Just because the devil's messing doesn't mean I don't have a new opportunity. I have something for you guys to do, and I want you to face it with courage. And he even addressed them as having just a little strength left. You, you, you got a little strength left, but, but I want you to keep marching, keep moving. Courage means, what, what does it mean to have courage? It means that I take the little I have, the little I have, and I use it for God's glory, and I trust God to make up the difference. We miss out because we, we want to figure it all out on the front end and make sure we have everything we need on the front end before we ever step. And God don't work like that. That you got to take the little that you do have, David. If you're going to go face the giant, all David had was five rocks and a slingshot. But he said, I'll take my five rocks and a slingshot. It's little in everybody's eyes, but I'm going to trust that God will make up the difference. That's what courage looks like. Little is much when God is involved. 
I'm going to take what I do. I'm not going to just focus on what I don't have. I'm going to use what I do have. I would encourage you, make a list of the gifts and the talents God has given you and start leveraging those gifts and those talents to, to benefit the kingdom of God. See, God has given everybody something. I want to say that again. God has given everybody something. And he illustrates this uh, in, in a principle in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were, were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, that scripture is so powerful because Jesus is pointing out the fact that this woman is poor, this woman is a widow, yet this woman gave out of her poverty. She didn't make the excuse, I don't have a lot. She didn't make an excuse, my husband died, or this happened, or that happened. She took the little she did have, and though nobody would have taken notice of the penny she put in, Jesus took notice of it because she took out of her poverty, out of her need, and she trusted God to make up the difference. Now listen, don't get messed up on the money part of that. That, that applies to your talents and your gifts. How often do we miss an opportunity because we compare our gifts with somebody else's? We say, well, I, I can't do what they do. I, I, can't, I can't be that. I can't do that. And we talk about the reasons as, as to why we can't do something. But this woman shows us that we can give even when it's a little. Maybe we don't have a lot of talent, but you know what? We're faithful. We're going to show up. We're going to be there. See, I, I've heard a lot of people say, and, and, and y'all don't throw anything at me, but, but they'll get up and they'll pray, and the prayer sounds spiritual, um, but it's a misguided prayer where they pray, God bless those who give, and God bless those that don't have anything to give. We go, oh, what a sweet prayer. Misguided prayer. Everybody has something to give. We, we got to get beyond just the, the dollar symbol. Like everybody has something that they can contribute. And, and we, we, we want to give people an out. Like you don't, you don't have to do anything at all. No, we use courage means I'm going to use what little I do have and I'm going to trust God to make up the difference. Joni Erickson Tata was paralyzed, and she, she had great plans, and all of her plans came to an abrupt end. But she learned how to draw and paint by holding a brush with her teeth. Her paintings inspired hundreds of people because she did not focus on what she lost, but she focused on what she still had. Charles Boswell, former football star at Alabama, had a dream of playing professional football, but in World War II, he lost his sight in both eyes. Later on, he became the blind national blind golf champion 17 times, and in an interview, they asked him, how did you accomplish such a feat like that? He said this, I never count what I've lost. I only count what I have left. 
As long as we are still counting what we've lost, we will never take advantage of a new opportunity. We will never maximize our moment if we're focused on what we've lost. Now, this is not in your notes, but this ain't going to cost anybody a dime. Y'all are like, man, y'all are tough, 11 o'clock. Y'all needed like, maybe that 30, y'all needed 11.30, didn't you? How many would agree today that most winners, if not all, people who win at life, whether it's sports, business, leadership, if they're winning, they have courage. It, it, it takes courage to win. And, and I, I just want to answer a question for you today. Why do winners win? Why do people who win at marriage, win at business, win at leadership, win at, win at anything, why do winners win? Because I, I believe this falls under courage. I believe that winners win because they have three behaviors that I want to give you real quick. Why they win at life. The first behavior that winners have, number one, is they believe. They just believe. Not only do they have a belief in God, winners have a self-belief. Have you ever talked to somebody and, and they were telling you about some things that, that maybe God had put on their heart or some dreams or ambitions that they had, and it's like in the same sentence they, they talk about how they want to do A, B, and C, and, and, and right after that they talk about how, well, I probably will never be able to do it. You're not going to win. Self-belief is important. You, you have to believe. I'll say it like this. Winning is intentional. You don't win on accident. You win on purpose. And a lot of times we, we, we just take a back seat and we, we become negative. We focus on what we've lost in life and we don't have any belief that, that this is possible. The second thing that winners have is that winners think big. Winners usually think bigger than everybody else. That's what sets them apart. Winners move from a level of, of what is expected to a level of they're willing to experiment. In other words, winners have a big imagination. that They're able to think outside the box. They don't get boxed in in their life. They think bigger than their current situation. Not only do they believe and think big, here's the last one, winners, they look with focus. Now, this is so good because the reason a lot of us are, are, are stuck in life in, in, in certain areas is because we've lost focus. The waters have become muddy. People who win have this desire to stay focused. And I, I'm going to say it like this. If you're going to win at life, it, it's not so much important as to what you say yes to as what you say no to. As you become successful, as you win, as, as things get better in your life, it's not that you said yes to everything that came to you. It's that you learned to say no to some good things so that you could experience some great things. There is a narrowed focus with people who win. That's why James comes and he tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The average person is busy but not effective. Everybody I run into is busy. And, and I get tired of hearing I'm busy. 
What have you done? What, what have you accomplished? What, if you're busy doing things that don't make a difference, then what's the point? At the end of the day, I would rather be productive than busy. This is going over real well. All right. Let's move on. Number five, opportunity takes timing. You've probably heard the old adage, opportunity only knocks once. Two of you know it. I, I got one you do know. You got to know when to hold them, and you got to know when. I'm speaking your language now. I found it. Just had to go poker on them. Pull out the chips, some cash. Now they got it. Got to know when to hold them. Got to know when to fold them. The opportunity of a lifetime has to be ceased during the lifetime of the opportunity. Opportunities do not stay opportunities forever. The door closes. And I want us to understand the value of being in the right place at the right time. The right place at the right time. Sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and our timing is off. Have you ever thought, I need to fix that, I need to make the marriage better, I need to do this with the finances, and before you've even like calculated the cost, you've already jumped in, and you didn't even realize when you started, you didn't even have the stamina to finish it? Your timing was off? You, 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 you were not ready? You, you, you couldn't um, produce the longevity needed because you jumped in so quick? The timing was just a shade off? Everything in life is a matter of timing. Man, I can't stress to you how important this season and, and the timing is as to what God is doing. Timing is everything. Your greatest successes in life occurred because the opportunity and the moment and the timing was just right. The same can be said about your failures. A lot of times the reason we experience failure is because the timing was just a little off. If you've ever tried to teach a kid how to hit a baseball, then you know the frustration of timing versus the exhilaration of when they got the timing right and they crushed the ball for the very first time. It's a powerful moment. And that's why when someone says you have a good sense of timing, what they're really saying is you seem to know what to do at just the right time. Because timing is powerful. Hit your neighbor and tell them timing is powerful. Now, now, let me just walk this out in the natural, and then I'll wrap it up. We all know the importance of timing. Timing is what makes the difference between a good joke and a bad joke. You ever had somebody tell an awesome joke, but they, just, they were just terrible at it and almost ruined it? It's like, stop telling jokes. You're not a joke teller. Timing is what makes the difference between success or failure in a job search. Timing is what makes the difference between closing a sale and losing a sale. Sometimes the difference between a rich person and a broke person is timing. For example, if you buy a bunch of real estate while it's cheap and then turn around and sell it when the market's hot, how many of you can make a lot of money real quick? 
The same is true in reverse. You can buy property and you pay, overpay for it. And the market never heats up again and you've got to sell it for less than you pay. How would your portfolio be different if you invested in Google when it was $85 a share? So you're like, oh, pastor, don't say it. Because I'd be at the Caribbean right now, not here listening to you. <laughs> Live stream, baby. Live stream. Out on the lawn, laying in the sun. I, I just got to think that my voice is not what you want to hear laying in the Caribbean water, but hey. Everything in your life is the result of timing. Success is simple. Catch this. Do what is right the right way at the right time. Do what is right the right way at the right time. Mark Zuckerberg became a billionaire in his 20s because he understood timing. Timing has an impact on our natural lives. But to close this out, I want you to know that timing is very important spiritually. Connect the dots for you as the worship team comes back. One of the Greek words translated opportunity or timing is the, is the Greek word kairos. Okay? You say, what's that mean? Kairos means a fixed and definite period of time. So God is, God is telling us that there, there are fixed and, and set appointments in time that God has put on His calendar to bless your life. But I've preached all of this to get to a point to say, He's done that for you, but you can miss your appointment. You, you can miss your opportunity. Galatians 6 and 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, that's kairos. That's kairos. It means at the proper time, there is, that, that's a fixed and definite period of time. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So Paul says, keep on doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it, because God has a kairos moment a fixed, appointed time to bless your life. I wonder how many times we're on the verge of a major breakthrough and then we quit. Great breakthrough usually takes place when we planted good seeds consistently, even if they were small seeds, but we planted them consistently over the long haul. That leads to a big breakthrough. Bethesda Church, this is our opportunity. We have been planting seeds for years, and now we're two weeks away from a big breakthrough. And, and listen, the harvest is not just in the past with all the people's lives that have been changed and saved. How many of the biggest harvest is still in front of us? That, that the biggest, the, the, the greatest breakthroughs, the greatest blessing, that, that, that's why I'm saying we have to maximize this moment. Check this out. He says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. He says there's a window of opportunity. You can miss the opportunity to battle for the victory. You can miss that opportunity. How I many some victories you've got to battle for it? And sometimes we get tired and we, we don't want to battle anymore. It's kind of like in 2 Kings when the prophet told the king, he said, I want you to take the arrow and I want you to strike it against the ground. And the king took the arrow 
and he struck it against the ground, the Bible says, three times. And the prophet got mad and he said, if you really wanted the victory, you would have, you would have taken the arrow and you would have struck the ground five or six times. And you would have wiped your enemies out because you striking the ground with an arrow was a, was a sign. It was a picture of faith. But since you only struck the ground three times, you'll defeat them three times, but then they're going to come back. I wonder sometimes if we've been striking in our marriage, but it hasn't changed, but we're only one strike away from a breakthrough. We, we prayed for our healing so many times and we're still sick. What, what, what if you've been planting seeds for a long time and your next prayer is your breakthrough moment? What, what, what if? It's, it's the next time. And you say, what's your point, Pastor? I'm saying don't get weary in doing good because in due season, that's God's appointed time. He has an appointment with you to bring blessing and favor and dominion into your life, but you got to keep battling. You got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. We can't miss our opportunity. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff right here so I can get to the end. The last thing, we can miss a spiritual moment. And what I mean by that is Jesus, right before he's getting ready to go to the cross, this, it's the greatest moment of his life on the earth. He's actually at the moment that he came for. He came to die. And he's in this moment getting ready to go to the cross. And in Matthew 26, verse 40, it says, Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Jesus' greatest moment, the twelve were asleep. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And I, I love this because it, it, it was a Kairos moment. It was an appointed time for Jesus. And his moment of great blessing, the moment he came for, in that moment, the disciples were asleep. I want to make sure that before we step into that new building in two weeks, that we are awake spiritually that we are ready to serve people like we've never served people. We're ready to love people like we've never loved people. We're ready to pray. We're not going into it just so we can become a church that enjoys all the blessings God has given us, but we're going to maximize the moment and make sure that we bring hundreds and thousands of people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Come on, if you believe it, stand with me. Come on, let's give God a praise today. Come on, put your hands together. If you believe we're going to maximize our moment. Last thing I want to do is heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The Bible talks about the fact that we can miss our opportunity for salvation. The scripture says very clearly, clearly in Luke's gospel, chapter 19, that Jesus wept over a city that missed their opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. If you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity, your door, your window. I would encourage you, don't let this moment pass you by. As heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. If you're in this place and you're not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you say, today, I, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I, I want my sins to be forgiven. I want Jesus to save me today. If that's you, 
Would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Anyone at all that you would say, that is me today. One here. God bless you. Thank you for that hand. Anyone else? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Thank you for the one online as well. God bless you. I want to maximize this moment. Not going to let it pass me by. Anyone else before we pray? Another one over here. God bless you. Awesome. Every voice lifted. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those people that just made a decision for Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come forward and get in place. If you need prayer today, we're here to put our faith with your faith and believe for a great breakthrough in your life. I believe that we are entering a season, as I said at the new year, a season of favor and dominion coming to this house and to your life. Before we sing and pray over people, can you give God the best praise you have so far? Come on. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.